I'm here today to announce a pilot program for the aerial surveillance in Baltimore. It's operated by an Ohio-based company, paid for by a Texas billionaire. The last time the planes flew was 2016 when they were launched in secret. The controversial system is now providing air surveillance of Baltimore City. Imagine knowing that each time you leave your house, your every move could be watched and recorded from above. That's the reality for the majority of people in the U.S. city of Baltimore right now. The city in the state of Maryland has a population of over 600,000 people. It's often listed as one of the most dangerous cities in the country, with one of the highest murder rates. Its police department has launched a surveillance program called AIR, Aerial Investigation Research, that critics say represents a frightening erosion of people's right to privacy. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. If you live in a metropolitan area in the United States today, you probably have heard this sound in the last three weeks. As protesters have gone out onto the streets to vent their anger over the death of George Floyd, calling for a change in the police system and an end to systemic racism in America and the world. In Washington, D.C., where I'm located, less than an hour from Baltimore, the sound of helicopters in the air became a regular occurrence throughout the protests. We were being watched. So it might give us a little window into what Baltimoreans are feeling. And my team and I wanted to know more about it. Today, I'm talking to Patty Colhane, Al Jazeera's correspondent who's covered the story. Patty, where am I catching you right now? Uh, in my dining room, where I changed the chair to differentiate between whether I'm working or I'm off. This is how I've survived <laughs> working from home. So we are talking about an aerial photography system that is capable of tracking the every movement outdoors of every one of Baltimore's residents. How did this system, this investigation research pilot program, get started? And why Baltimore? Why Baltimore? Because they agreed. And Baltimore has a huge crime problem. Almost 350 people were killed in 2019 on Baltimore streets. The way this started is soon after the Freddie Gray riots, as you'll remember, police rioted after Freddie Gray was killed violently in police custody. This program was started in secret. Well, when people found out about it, the American Civil Liberties Union, they went to a judge and said, you have to cut this out. And the judge said, no, it can go ahead. Uh, and so the flights are up right now as we speak over Baltimore. So where did this idea originally come from? This is actually one of the most fascinating parts of the story is this is another example of military technology being used by a local police force. This program started in Iraq. The U.S. military used it to keep track of so-called insurgents, to be able to track down who was putting improvised explosive devices. And now they're using technology developed for war to surveil U.S. citizens. The company flying the planes over Baltimore is called Persistent Surveillance Systems. It developed the technology for the U.S. military for use in Iraq 
in the late 2000s. Then, it started trying to sell it to cities in the U.S. A couple of Texas billionaires, John and Laura Arnold, are paying millions for its use in Baltimore. Back in 2016, the Baltimore Police Department used the technology in secret to monitor the city's reaction to the acquittal of the police officer who was tried for the murder of Freddie Gray. The discovery sparked outrage in the community, and the program was stopped. But the city restarted it in May 2020. Now, more than $3.5 million later, the company is again monitoring Baltimore on a six-month trial basis. So what kind of aircraft are we talking about here? They're very small planes. I actually did see one taking off when I was I happened to be north of Baltimore. Uh, they look like tiny little Cessnas, but they're loaded with camera equipment and all of these high-tech recording devices. And the way it works is 12 hours a day, so basically during the daylight, there are planes overhead constantly taking pictures. I'm scared just hearing that. What does that look like in practice? Can you at any point look up and see one of these planes and know that that is one that is involved in these programs? Are they marked? Tell me about that. No, I don't know if you can actually see them from the ground. I think they fly up high enough that you necessarily, and the cameras are powerful enough that you don't necessarily have to be, it's not like they're buzzing overhead in Baltimore. Now, some Baltimore residents have complained that the noise is uh, frustrating, but uh, you wouldn't necessarily know that you were being surveilled. But if you're in Baltimore and it's daylight for the next six months, chances are, unless there's been a technical difficulty, that you are being recorded. So. What do we know about this pilot program and whether or not there was public review or is this something that outsiders had info and insight into? We're hearing that there are going to be reviews, that academics will be brought in to look at the data. And again, this is a six-month pilot program. And the police say, and again, this is what the police say, they will only use it in the case of really violent crimes. We're talking about murders and carjackings. And what they'll do then is they'll pull back this videotape from that area and they'll trace movements. So let's say a person was murdered on this corner, they'll go back and retrace where everybody who was at that corner was before, where they went next. Then you can go to that home or look at records and establish who that person was. Because you can't make out the detail, they say, from the actual uh, surveillance video, but you can trace their movements. And if you know where someone lives or where someone goes, you can pretty quickly figure out who they are. There's been some reporting that says people will just be seen as little dots. and You can't actually see facial details and the like. What do we know about what is possible to see? This is one of those things where the journalist in me says you just can't trust that people are telling you that. I'm flashing back to uh, when the Homeland Security first unveiled those cameras at the airport where they said didn't show any body parts. I'll never forget this. I went to a DHS press conference and they were like, look, you just stand in the scanner and it doesn't show any parts and nobody can see it. And we were like, "Okay, well, let's go see what the video looks like behind that door. And the Homeland Security people were like, no, 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 you can't do that. And then it came out later like, well, maybe it wasn't just dots, like random anatomy. Um, So they say that it's not anything that you can tell a person. But I mean, we all know technology, so I can't answer that question. They say it's not, but I don't 
I haven't seen it, so I can't believe them. Patty is not alone. So I spoke to one activist, Davon Love, and he had a lot of concerns about this program. One of them was that he just doesn't trust the Baltimore police. He's worried because in, he says in times, in our history, we've seen these protest movements. They use surveillance to try and disrupt the protest movements. And that seems fairly relevant with what we're seeing on the streets right now. So he says you just can't give the authorities such a powerful tool, such as constant surveillance of its people, because he doesn't trust the department to use it as they say they're going to and not expand it further into civil liberties violations. You know, we've seen recently the past few years, like they're going to trace task force where police officers were robbing people, selling drugs, you know, planting drugs, et cetera, that that level of power that comes with that level of surveillance is not something that um, will, one, positively impact public safety. He's referencing the well-documented history of corruption within the Baltimore Police Department. We've seen headline after headline about police officers involved in corrupt activity, but how some Baltimore residents reconcile giving this surveillance power to the police is often based on some very personal experiences. Baltimore has tried this technology route before. Uh, They have cameras on the street corners. They have microphones on corners that pick up the sound of gunshots and alert police. So I spoke with one activist who's actually okay with the program. Her name is Joyce Jones. And her complaint was the cameras in the inner city where they could be useful don't work or people know where they are. So they just move the crime to the next corner. But her bigger uh, complaint was that most of those cameras are in the inner harbor, which is Baltimore's economic tourism uh, area that needs people to feel comfortable going there because they need people to come in and spend their money. Other thing she said is her son was stabbed. He lived, but she said there were dozens, if not a hundred people there, and nobody saw anything that they would tell the police. Because there is a huge problem between and mistrust between the police and the people. People are afraid to uh, speak out. The community with uh, support program will alleviate those witnesses that are afraid to speak because the cameras speak for themselves. And because there is a culture, in her words, she said to me, snitches uh, get stitches. She said people won't talk because we've also seen in Baltimore egregious examples of people who cooperate with the police and are physically harmed, if not killed, because they did so. But the program is facing legal challenges. My name is Brett Max Kaufman. I'm a senior staff attorney at the American Civil Liberties Union. We think this kind of constant surveillance from the sky of people's movements is flat out an unconstitutional violation of privacy. Spy planes should never be used against residents in this manner. And this is really a sort of Rubicon moment for surveillance in this country. This is a very serious um, assault on privacy and on the First Amendment in this country. Because if this is lawful and if this is allowed, then this will become a tactic of many, many cities and towns in the United States. Just imagine constant monitoring from the air in cities and towns across the country. The justification being the fight against violent crime. It's a good selling point. But the ACLU thinks if this happens, 
the concept of privacy will never be the same. In defending the legality of it, the city loves to talk about how it won't identify anyone at all. And these two things can't really coexist. Either the, the program, as it's designed to do, will help identify people that the city ends up suspecting of crimes, or it won't. And if it does, then it violates the Fourth Amendment. And if it doesn't, then it's a completely useless program. You don't need to be a fan of science fiction to imagine where this kind of technology could go in the future. You know, right now the city emphasizes that it's using manned aircraft and its cameras can't capture faces from the sky, but drones exist and cameras that are much more powerful exist. And it, it, that's why we absolutely think this case is a huge one for putting a line in the sand on what the government is allowed to do in terms of aerial surveillance from the sky. Violation of privacy seems to be the biggest concern. But the police commissioner of Baltimore has spoken to the press and feels very confident that the ACLU won't win this battle. There is no expectation of privacy in public, on a public street, on a sidewalk. And so it can't film inside of private places or beyond walls. And while you're outside, there is no expectation of privacy. Around the country, there are at least 18 states that have passed laws that require police to have a warrant before they can use things like drones for surveillance or for searches. These aren't drones, but Maryland also does not require police to get a warrant to use a drone. Where do you think this pilot program plays into the wider landscape of surveillance and drone use? If in six months, and this is why I think this story is really important, if in six months they can go to the public and say, we solved X number of murders, we put X number of robbers in jail, carjackings went down, then you're going to see uh, other cities say, well, for six months, it was less than $4 million. Maybe we should do that too. I did the story, what, a couple of weeks ago, and I would have given you a much different answer the day I turned the story in than I'm going to give you now, because we've seen a complete upheaval on the public's perception of police. So why has public opinion shifted so quickly? It's because the way the police are acting in these protests, and they're doing it on camera, and they know they're on camera, and they're still doing it. So any intelligent person is going to say, wait, if this is what you're doing, when you know you're being filmed, you're doing it because you know that you have immunity and you will face no repercussions. So in my personal reflection, my personal life, I'm seeing people who I never thought would say anything critical of the police speaking out. Because as a white woman in America, I'm taught from a very young age that the police are your friend, that the police are there to protect you. And all of my friends, white, black, Hispanic, are all now saying in a chorus, wait, that, that wasn't true. It might have been true for me, but it's not true for many Americans. So 10 days ago, I would have said to you, if this spreads to other cities, Americans are going to be okay with it. Now, my question is, are the people going to let them? <laughs> And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Priyanka Tilbe, Dina Kispe, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. 
Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to James Hamilton and Kevin King. We'll be back.